Hi everybody, welcome back to the PTC podcast. Uh, it's been quite a while since we had our last one. Uh, we've just been quite busy with about a million other things. Uh, this episode is again brought to you by A Life of Education. Alifeofeducation.com is the UAE's only dedicated health and fitness website delivering health and fitness content to fitness professionals and enthusiasts from a variety of sections of the health and fitness world with talks and the areas of nutrition, anatomy, physiology, sports medicine, female development, yoga, pilates, strength conditioning, uh, the business of fitness, and a bunch more to be added in the future. Allo's mission is to bring leading experts from around the world of health and fitness together on one platform to share their knowledge and expertise on a global scale. So one of the talks in the female development section that Allo is going to be uh, Offering is on menopause or meno fitness, and that delves into the kind of what it is, the different stages of it, signs and symptoms, and then the psychological, physiological, uh, nutritional, and training considerations that need to be taken into account by trainers who are helping uh, ladies either facing it, going through it, potentially facing the future, or who have been through it. So there's going to be a lot there for people to learn. Uh, who don't know much about uh, menopause, i.e. like myself. Um, this episode of the podcast is with um, a trainer called Trevor Flowers. And Trevor worked his way all the way up through uh, Fitness First out here from a floor, gym floor um, instructor all the way to a, through the personal training ranks to personal training manager, then to a, a gym manager, floor manager. And a lot of his responsibility was on making sure that uh, trainers were hitting their targets and doing everything that that involved with um, sales, marketing themselves, creating leads, closing deals, and all the things that go involved with um, with trainers keeping themselves busy. So it's a podcast that I actually learned a lot. Um, man had to duck out about halfway. We had a little bit of technical difficulties with some of the, with some memory thing or some sort of technical memory thing here. So we got stifled a little bit for time, and then Matt had to shoot off. So um, for those who aren't in the fitness industry, this might be one that they could just sort of learn about the challenges that trainers have to go through, like how difficult it is. Even if you're the world's best trainer, you got to get yourself out there and you got to get in the mix. You are essentially a sole trader working for yourself, and if you don't. Uh, sell you don't get paid and then for trainers and stuff if you've got a pen and paper uh, as this is going through there's a few hidden gems in here that I will definitely be using myself um, so yeah anyway we hope you enjoy I'll get on with it this is myself and Matt and Trevor Flowers everybody welcome back to the podcast it's been a while since we've done one we're here myself and matt with trevor flowers say hello trevor hey guys how you doing um so trevor do you want to just introduce yourself and just tell people a little bit where you're from and how you ended up in dubai and kind of where you came from yeah sure so thanks all uh, first of all for having me on um i've been in the industry for maybe 12 years now um and i came out to dubai like six years ago i came out here as a pt 
Um, and then the last three, three years I've been in fitness management. So I worked in fitness first, Middle East, as a, a senior fitness manager. And my kind of job was to manage the teams. I had a team of up to 22 personal trainers. And obviously uh, we had monthly, monthly targets to hit, sometimes up to 400, up to 500K a month in personal training revenue. So uh, my main, main goal was really to make sure that the teams were online with their business and, and teach them some strategies of how to grow the business, how to uh, acquire new clients, but not only that, how to retain the clients. Um, recently, I've kind of come away from the commercial fitness side of things and I'm <clears throat> gone freelance myself. So I have my own business, my own personal training business. Uh, but I run a lot of things on the side of that um, where it's, it's more, um, you know, the idea of it is more to help other personal trainers. So I've actually got like a, like a mini academy set up to help personal trainers. What's your company called? Uh, it's not some sort of company. It's just a, um, at the moment, it's just a, like a membership site. It's just the PT Academy. It's called the PT Academy. Yeah. Yeah, okay. cool. And what kind of stuff have you got? Like, well, now let's go let's rewind the clock. Where did you start? What was your entry point into fitness? So I came in as a PT. Um, this was maybe 12 years ago, uh, back in England, working for Nuffield Health. Um, then I went, obviously came over to Dubai, uh, working for Fitness First as a PT. Um, I soon kind of realized it was, it was quite easy to kind of be noticed uh, in the industry. Um, I progressed from being a personal trainer up to a platinum personal trainer, up to the floor manager, fitness manager, then even senior fitness manager. So, How long did that take? What kind of timeline is that? Within five years. Yeah. Actually, within, it was actually maybe three years, but I, I sustained it for the, 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 the following two years. Yeah. And how did you like the transition, like going from just managing yourself into managing other people? Because it's, PT is kind of like what I imagine uh, teachings like, where you become a teacher and then suddenly become like a head teacher or a deputy. And suddenly the skill set changes like drastically. Yeah. Um, I think for me uh, personally, like actually seeing uh, guys take on board what you're trying to teach them and, and develop their own business and actually see that they get good results. I think, you know, from my point of view, it's. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to see that whatever you're preaching is actually, you know, working. Yeah, for sure. Because it's yeah. one of those industries where everybody has their own. Or I guess we, we all sort of seek out our own mentors. There's lots of people who are there uh, kind of dispelling advice on how you should do this and how you should do that. And everybody seems to come to the table with their own ideas. And it's, it's difficult to find or quantify what actually works because so much of it is such a subjective thing. Like you could have like the best marketing strategy, but you might be a dick. Do you yeah, know, in yeah, which case, yeah. nobody wants to spend time with you, right? So, of course, of course. What were the what were like the common sort of bits of advice that you found would just work across the board, like despite what people might be like? To be honest, a lot of the stuff that I think is you know going back to basics, um, looking at time management, for example. Um, so, you know, would you would you as a personal trainer want to spend sixteen hours in the gym but only get paid for four of them? Yeah. You know, like uh, looking at you know your schedule and making sure it's as tight as it can be, uh, making sure that not just your own schedule, but your client's schedule is like a rigid structure, you know, so you're going to come and see me three times a week, every single, you know, every single week, it's just a, rep a repeating pattern. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd be surprised at how many personal trainers would actually finish the session and then say to their client, so when do you want to do your next session? You yeah, know, sure. that, that's a big, 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 you know, downfall in, 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 as a personal trainer. 
first of all, you know, before you even start the sessions, you need to have that set in stone what your schedule is going to be. Um, you know, that just creates a bit more consistency and uh, structure in your own schedule. Um, and I find that, you know, going back to the little simple things like that, which, you know, it is basic stuff. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people forget about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, that's quite tough to do here in Dubai in particular. Like the UK, I know, is... I, I never had cancellations and things, and I never had any sort of issue trying to get people in for a rigid sort of schedule like that. But yeah. since coming to Dubai, man, like there's loads of cancellations. People's, you know, just travel more, and so yeah, have you course. found that as well? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, we've all had our fair share of people cancelling or not showing up. Um, but to be honest, I, I actually, as a personal trainer myself, adopted a very firm, um, you know, cancellation uh, policy where um, I will only allow a client to cancel twice in a right. contract and you know I'm quite stern with it you know make sure that before we even start the training that that is understood so wait um, sorry you mean cancel twice before what you would then charge them or uh, yeah no yeah. not you, you cancel twice and I'm sorry but you can find another trainer that oh wow really? yeah really really strict with 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 my clients um, and I, I, what I find is a lot of a lot of trainers I think don't vet their clients yeah they don't they don't you know when a lead comes in, they don't actually uh, make sure that that client's good enough to work with them. Sure. You know, which I think, again, can be a bit of a downfall. You, you know, you don't want to just take on every single, cl- <coughs> every single client, sorry. Yeah, for sure. Um, you need to make sure that, first of all, they understand your ways of working, your, your routine, your, you know, your schedule, uh, your cancellation policy. Make sure that they're on board with it before you even start. Mm. Yeah. Um, what's the... Is that, so can you walk us through like a time where somebody has cancelled twice? Like, what, what did you say and how did you manage that? Oh, have you never had it? Yeah, I've had it before where, you know, again, I was working in, in for example, Fitness First. And the actual, the client cancelled on me and said she had a problem with the car. Right. And I said, okay, no problem. But, you know, this time, you know, because you haven't given me 24 hours notice, I'm going to charge you for it. And this was a new client, actually. Um, and I'd had the conversation about the cancellation policy, and it just obviously went in one ear and out the other. Yeah. Um, and I actually lost that client. But you know what? I'd rather have somebody who respects my time. Mm. And actually, that client turned out to be, you know, full of BS because when you know when it came down to actually canceling the session, she came up with another excuse. Yeah. First, she said there was a problem with the car. Then she said she was ill, and I said, "Look, you need to find another trainer." Sure. So yeah, it can be a bit like. Uh, a bit, a bit harsh, sure. But like I said, I would rather have somebody respect my time, you know, and I, I value my time, you know, quite, quite highly. Yeah. I don't want to be sitting in a gym waiting for somebody who's not going to turn up. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. fair enough. Absolutely. It's tough for people who are starting off though, because at the start you need clients, you, you yeah. and you, you're on a commission salary. You've got your targets. I imagine in the fitness first, you have your. You have your set target that you need to hit. Yep. So wh- how do you swing that past a new trainer or who's coming in the door and say, look, this is my advice? Like, how do you reassure a trainer that in the long run this will pay off? Um, well, well let's, let's look at it like this. Um, when you're looking at a long-term, you know, one year, like 12 months max, building up your business, what do you think is easier, acquiring new clients or retaining your current clients? So it's, I mean, you can answer that question. It's fairly easy to retain your clients. It's harder to get clients. Yeah. Cheaper as well, right? Cheaper, well, yeah. There's some stat on that. What's the, what's the stat? Like something like it's 50% cheaper or 30% cheaper 
No, maybe it's more than that. It must be more. Yeah. Omar once told me that. It's like, it's, it, yeah, 70% cheaper or something like that. I mean, I don't know how people work that out, but, it, you know, retention is the name of the game. Yeah, right? of course. Like, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of my, my business is, is held on, you know, training clients for a long period of time. I have a client who I've trained since I came to Dubai. Sure. And I'm, I'm quite fortunate that she's actually like a raven fan of my, of, of my work, and she refers a lot of her patients to me. Yeah. So I get a lot of referral clients from from this client. Um, but yeah, going back to you know the you know kind of getting this into the head of, of somebody who's new, especially coming to Dubai uh, and trying to get the head around you know the, there are cancellations, there are you know people do not turn up on time. But um, for me, you know, once you've got six or seven clients, your job is not to work on getting more clients. Your, your job is to keep all of those clients. Uh, and and get as much out of those clients as you can. Like you know, look at how many times a week you're training the, the client, and making sure that you know that they're training with you three, four, five times a week. Mm. Um, you know that when you have budgets, yes, I understand there's pressure on you um, to hit your budgets. But uh, in, so, for example, in fitness first, you'd have like a, a budget of twenty four thousand dirhams a month to sell. Yeah. So if you have a budget of 24,000 and you need to um, obviously you'll need to to sell um, about eight eight packages of, of 12 sessions um, then we're saying uh, if you're selling 12 sessions a week you're talking I think you're working up to how many hours a month you'd get to okay yeah so and how difficult it is how many clients you actually need to fill those spaces yeah so we worked out that you know if you have uh, a twenty-four thousand uh, Durham budget to to hit each month, then you you've got to sell around about eight packages to hit that, and that's the basic package. Okay, so what I would look at is keeping hold of your current clients and making sure that they're going to re- renew with you on a monthly basis um, to achieve your budget, rather than look for eight new clients and and they drop off after one month. So a lot of it comes down to from day one, are you are you setting in stone your expectations as a as a personal trainer that this is not a one month, two month, even three month journey? This is you know three to six months minimum. Um, and then you know once you've got those three months under your belt, nine out of ten of your clients are going to stick with you anyway. Anyway, if you deliver and if you over deliver, um, and and most importantly, if you get them results, they're going to stick with you. That's what I've seen anyway. Sure. So what advice would you have for somebody fresh off the certification production line? Someone who's, they've done the science, they know the anatomy, they know the physiology, and out they go, but they don't know anything about sales, they don't know anything about how to put themselves forward. They're there to help people, but they don't know how to convey their message. Okay, so the first thing I would definitely, definitely start to you know, recommend that they look into is finding a niche. Now, Finding a niche that comes down to any business, you know, in, in any industry. But be specific um, and make, you know, make yourself approachable in that field. So let me give you an example. So we have broad niche, we have a micro niche, and we have a nano niche. Okay, so anybody can, you know, write on the Instagram page that they're a personal trainer, which is very broad. Okay, but what do you specialize in? So of course, if you if you're brand new out of a classroom, you, you're not going to specialize in too much. Yeah. Um, so the first thing is to look for the next thing. Look at doing a kettlebell course, or look at doing something which is very specific. 
Um, I'll give you an example that I used, which was um, I did my level four lower back pain management. Now, that becomes from a broad niche down to more of a nano niche because now I'm the only person in the gym who specializes in lower back pain. Not the only guy who can you know, deal with, with clients with lower back pain, but I've actually got a qualification which you know, stands me above the rest, for, uh, you know, especially when you have a team of 20 personal trainers. So definitely look at um, who your audience is and who you're trying to, to work with. Um, so, so think about something that's very specific or unique um, and in terms of what you do as a service but then also the second the second thing is to look at the audience and be specific with the audience. So, for example, you might um, be good at doing body transformations. That stands you out from the regular PT, but body transformations for all the 50s. You see what I mean? You, yeah. You're targeting, you know, a very specific audience in that, in that in that sense when you put the two together. Yeah, and particularly. Uh, so I used to well I still do work for Life Fitness like as far as uh, the Cybex brand goes and so we uh, when I was doing their sort of training we were looking at membership retention and it seems that particularly the over 50 population is like a, an especially prosperous kind of niche to get into because it's something like if you're above the age of 50 or I think it's maybe 35 those members are 50% less likely to leave the gym or leave you as a PT. Like they're more sort of stable clientele to get. Um, And I think, I can't remember if I I might have this wrong, but I think they're kind of generally easier to get on board in the first place. As in, as long as you're polite and as long as you're sort of a reasonable human being, they don't need the flash, they don't need the frills and all this sort of stuff. Exactly, exactly. And I think for me personally, I I like to actually train the the kind of older clients. Um, I would say maybe... Out of my seven clients that I have, maybe four or five of them are above 40. Yeah. yeah so. That's the same with me as well, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a different style of training. Yes, you do, you know, have clients or you do want clients where, you know, you can up the tempo and, and work a little bit harder and, and, and show some fancy kind of exercises. But, um, again, it's it's working with what you have or what works well for you, for you, you know. Yeah, but there's a general appreciation for effort and for... That people of that age are just more willing to listen. Yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. when you're training the usual sort of 18 to 30 crowd, yeah. there's just there's just too much coming in from Instagram and every other thing. Is that why aren't we doing this? Why are we doing that? Like, do you know? And it's of course. But but what you know, I don't think that age you know of your clients should really limit you know how you know how you uh, how you are as a PT or how you offer your services. Um, like I said, I have a, a client who's 59 years old and she looks you know. 15 years younger than what she is um, and I actually taught her how to use Instagram and it's actually helped me out because it's actually helped my business because I'm getting referrals because she's posting on her Instagram about me and about yeah. the sessions that we do you know so it kind of works both ways like you know yes she's you know nearly 60 years old but she looks good for her age after training with me for four years sure. and she's put other things in place you know she's you know a diet's on track um, she's looking at horm- hormone uh, imbalances as well, you know. So it's not just the training that that's you know um, contributed to everything, but but yeah, like um, for the for anybody who's new who's coming into the industry, you really need to narrow down who your audience is and what you what you offer as a, as a PT. Don't just be the you know the I can train anybody and everybody. Yeah, I think that's the worst thing you can do. So, you know, get yourself on a course, 
um, a specialist course, um, you know, learn something that other PTs are not learning, um, and then promote yourself in, in, in that direction. Sure. And like, so I got asked just because it's, uh, I always find it fascinating when people are so sort of, like, no, you won't train with me at this time and blah, blah, blah. What do you do like come the summertime? Like, do you, are you just lucky that you don't have clients who sort of fuck off for the next three months or? Um, of course, like, you know, clients do travel. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is why I have, uh, and again, I guess this goes back to Keith's you know, previous question about, how, you know, what, what can new PTs do to, you know, to start off with. I have a constant flow of lead generation. Yeah. So this is one thing I'm really kind of focused on now that I've got more time on my hands. Sure. I, I do actually concentrate on generating new leads, but I do it in a, in a way where it's minimal work for me. Right. So yes, I do have new clients coming in. Uh, I do have new clients coming in kind of, you know, as and when I need them. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the work I do, I do that through, through Instagram. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of the um, the follow up stuff is, is you know in the DMs in in Instagram. So um, I get maybe on a monthly basis maybe ten different you know inquiries about personal training just through Instagram. Just through Instagram. Yes. Yeah. And how I do that is a lot of it is um, it's about breaking breaking the, down the barriers or breaking down the you know the uh, the kind of tension um, when somebody connects with you on social media they don't know who you are. Yeah, you know they, they, they can snoop through your your Instagram feed, but they, they you're not approachable. So if you make yourself approachable, then it kind of breaks down that tension, and you know people are more willing to ask you for help and for for guidance. And that's the you know the starting block to initiate that conversation. Well, why don't you come in and we'll do a free consultation? Sure. Sure, okay. I have to talk with you about that another time, but I've got to shoot. Uh, are you going to carry on? Yeah, yeah, we'll keep yeah. going for another little while. Are you under Cheers pressure guys. for time? Oh, okay. Um, one thing I wanted to... Uh, let me just switch this other microphone off. One thing I wanted to ask you, uh, what are the main like mistakes you see? So, um, like, what are the top three things that you perceive as sort of... Uh, I won't say, how do you, what's the, not like personal training suicide, but just they've made the job harder for themselves. Okay. Um, from a, let's say from a marketing perspective. Okay, so here's an example. How many people do you know or how many personal trainers have a website? Okay, first of all, is there any way of somebody reaching out onto a website to check out who you are, uh, what you do, who you, you know, who, what services you offer, first of all? Not many people have that kind of landing page. Right. Second of all, once you have that landing page or website, where's the call to action? So uh, for me, a big, big mistake is, is people that will spend a lot of time putting you know, pictures and videos on the Instagram, but then what? What happens next? Where's that call to action for somebody to first of all kind of get to know a bit more about you, uh, do a bit more research on you to figure out whether you're the right personal trainer for them? So... And again, I go back to Instagram because I think it's the number one marketing tool out there for personal trainers. Yeah. Um, if you're not utilizing Instagram in the right way, then you're missing out uh, big time. You know, like I, I see a lot of um, personal trainers just posting videos of themselves. Yes, you can argue that it's for kind of inspirational purposes. But <clears throat> sorry, but. Um, you know, what, where's the kind of um, 
showing how good you are in terms of your professionalism, you know, what you know, your knowledge. Um, so rather than just putting a video of you bench pressing 100 kilograms, you know, put the reasons why you're doing it. Educate your audience. Mm -hmm. um, but not only that, then have a call to action. Okay? Uh, here's a classic example. If you look on Instagram stories and they have the poll feature where you can ask a question. So imagine you, you, know, you ask a very simple question to your audience and you get you know, 100 people who answer that question. I asked one last week, in fact. Um, do you think lifting weights make women look too bulky? Okay. What, and what did you answer? <laughs> there was a 91% no. And the only people who actually got in touch were people who I knew. And they yeah. were just... Probably other personal trainers, right? Other trainers and friends just having, yeah. just like, so, so, having chats. So he, he, here's what I'm talking about. We, we, on Instagram, you're not, you're not promoting yourself to other personal trainers. And that's what a lot of personal trainers do. Mm. You're supposed to be pro promoting yourself to an audience of, of potential clients, right? Prospects. Yeah. So when I went back to that, you know, the, the idea of, of doing a poll on Instagram stories, yes, you're going to try and you know, get a response from, an, from potential clients, but when people answer those questions, where's the follow-up? Yeah. Because that's unfortunately what a lot of people do is they'll, they'll write a question on, on the Instagram poll or they'll write a caption in the, uh, underneath the video or the picture on the feed, but where's the follow-up? You know, first of all, what you should be doing is asking the question, then educating, and then follow-up or call mm -hmm. to action. Right. So, for example, you know, um, if you, the topic of conversation is about metab metabolic conditioning, for example, uh, you know, should you, uh, you know, w for example, w which, which form of exercise will burn more calories, metabolic condition or, you know, cardio? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very simple kind of generic question. Um, you follow that up with some research on the next uh, story, yeah. on the next slide. Um, but then after that, follow that up with, to find out more, click or swipe up or yeah. click the link in my bio. Um, if you want, uh, drop me a message and I'll you know, tell you a little bit more. Or you, know, you can come in the gym and I'll show you a little bit more how it works. Yeah. This is, a, for me, the number one thing that people underutilize Instagram right. and Facebook, yeah. you know, the social media platforms. It's almost like a platform to show off rather than to, yeah. to show what you can do. I think, it's, I think for me it's hard to figure out what you are going to portray on your social media. Because when, I, when we started the, the PTC two and a half years ago, we had left our previous job and the guys all had Instagram, Matt, Nick and Chris. And Nick, had, Nick was way ahead of the curve. Nick was on it about two years before. And I didn't have anything. And I didn't really, I didn't need it in the job I was in. I had enough traffic, I had enough referrals. But suddenly, outside that gym in the freelance world, and I had no, no portfolio. I had no like... No client base? I had a client base who came with me. That was okay. okay. That, okay. that was like money in the bank, but... No, you, no, 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 like brand image or anything? Yeah, like nothing, that, yeah. nothing. I was just a guy now in a gym, in a different gym, with all the people who eventually are going to come to their life cycle of training with me, because that's just how it is. A couple of them are, couple of them are still actually with me now. But you just know how people's lives are. A couple are about to get married. They're going to they're gonna move. They're going to... Whatever. So I sort of was like, okay, I need to get my Instagram going. Like, I need to do something. And I spent a long time trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to portray. Because I don't... My training sessions aren't interesting. They don't even interest me. 
Okay. Do you know? So I'm definitely never going to post a picture or a video of me doing an exercise. But what about your clients? So the what does work is a couple of videos when, when someone's do what I what I decided I was going to start with was using it as a platform to uh, elevate my client's motivation. So someone's done something good, boom, it goes on the it goes on the gram. Do you know? Okay. Even if it's a, not a transformation picture, but even if it, not necessarily. But even if it's just this person's now doing five pull-ups and there's a video of them from six months ago doing it with a band. And it's more, it's a little bit like, look, this is what I can do. But it's also, and probably majority, to give that person a little pat on the back going, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm trying to, you know, you don't get on the Instagram unless you do something good. Come on, step up, let's go, keep going. Oh, there you go, well done, right. Click, click, right, that'll go on the ground. What do you want me to hashtag? Will, okay. I, ta- will I tag you? Kind of thing. Um, and we've got quite a large, like, group of people training with us. So there's a bit of banter within the groups as well. You know, oh, you made the gram. You, did, you know, just that kind of thing. Okay. And then um, now I've sort of gone down a rabbit hole of neurophysiology and, and pain. and, and uh, so, so that is your nano niche, right? Yeah. So now this is now what I'm starting to, go, to, to focus on. But I'm also finding it hard now to think how to generate the content from scratch. So that's, that's my next gap is, like, where, I'm, where am I going to go next? How can I actually kind of create something that's got a feel to it that's mine so what i would recommend you do is first of all create some kind of lead magnet okay so it might be just something really really simple for you to make like an ebook right right or even like like what we're doing now a podcast yeah okay or a video series okay i had actually uh, got one idea for a video series but let's yeah. not let's cut out a bag just yet but um the only way you're gonna generate you know more clients or more leads is by funneling, funneling, sorry, funneling these prospects in, into your um, ecosystem, right? Yeah. So what, what do we mean by that? It's, it's getting people to know about, a bit more about you because you're sending them value. Yeah. Right? So you've got to send value first because no one's going to buy anything from you, whether it's online training or offline training, one-to-one, if they don't know you. Sure. Yeah, if they don't like you and they don't trust you. And again, this is what Mark mentioned in your previous podcast. Yeah, Yeah, Mark Laws. We were yeah. talking about him just before the podcast. Yeah, he was on, oh, I don't know what number episode, but episode some, released sometime early early January. You listened yeah. to that one. Yeah, I paid attention to what he said. And, you know, it resonates very highly with what I would, you know, say in any industry. No one's going to buy from you if they don't like, know, or trust you. So first of all, you've got to warm these, these uh, leads that come into your to your funnel, right? Mm-hmm. So we talk about lead generation. Um, it's basically getting somebody to opt into an, an opt-in form with an email address, okay? And then you follow up on on these emails with uh, an email autoresponder, okay? So you, you're talking about there's different web, web-based platforms. You've got MailChimp, you've got Get, GetResponse, you've got Aweber. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of uh, different options out there. But... How hard is it for you to write, say, for example, 10 emails on 10 different topics about your nano niche, mm-hmm. okay, which people will find value from? Um, and obviously, you, send this, you set this all up uh, you know, in advance, and then it gets drip-fed to, to, to these people once you yeah. have the email address. Yeah, I understand. But you're not going to get that, those people into your ecosystem if you don't have a lead magnet. So you need to have something that is of value and of, of, of low barrier entry. So it doesn't cost anything. Or if it does cost, it's not very expensive. You know, so 
Um, one thing I have on my Instagram page is a, just a, a, an ebook that I actually wrote maybe three or four years ago before I really you know, looked into kind of online marketing and lead generation. Um, I actually wrote an ebook for my current clients and, and sent it out as like a, it's just an added, added bonus. And what that is, is it's just a workout plan showing you, um, you know, it's just an, a cardio ab sequence. That's all it is. Very simple to make. It took me maybe, you know, four or five hours on the computer. Um, now, what I actually do to generate leads is I send people to that. Okay, I direct people to that. And now they have to put their email address in yeah. the opt-in form in order to download that. Right. Now, of course, they're going to get value from it because they're going to learn something. Okay, they can put, the, you know, whatever it says in the ebook, they can put it into practice. And nine out of 10 people that actually follow the plan get good results. Cool. So, you know, it's a win-win situation. Yeah. I've got someone in my lead generation funnel and someone is, you know, following up on something that I've given them for free. Yeah. And, you know, they now become warm to me. I understand, yeah. Yeah. Um, but have you heard um, of the, I think it's uh, Gary V. I I think he, he talks about the jab-jab hook. I've heard this jab-jab. I'm actually in the middle of his audio book. This, his, cr- what's the sec? Crushing it? Crushing it, yes. The second yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the middle of that second one. So they talk about, um, you know, people say the value is in the list, but it's not. It's the values in the relationship you have with the list. We're talking about sure. email list, right? Yeah. So, you know, you have 100 emails. If you send an email out to somebody saying, buy my, you know, services, online training or, or personal training package, no one's going to buy it. Yeah. Because you haven't warmed to them, right? Or you haven't shown them enough value. So the jab-jab hook is, is all about giving value, value, offer. Sure. Value, value, offer. Yeah. It's, it's kind of... Uh, yeah, I understand, yeah. They say, like, you know, people don't buy anything from, from you until they've had literally 7 to 11 um, Interactions. Forms, forms of contact, yeah, okay. or emails, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's all I do. I, I, I have a 14-week email series set up. Really, my, yeah? Yeah, that on long, ins- yeah, on my Instagram. And it's one email a week. And to be honest, I don't actually offer anything. It's yeah. just value, 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 value yeah. for 14 weeks. So I'm talking about things like diet. I'm talking about things about, about stress, things that are related to um, you know, what I do yeah. uh, and, and you know, educating potential prospects. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff I do is all is done um, like automatically. Yeah. So I don't actually spend any time doing it now that it's done. So that my whole lead generation, I get on a monthly basis about 100 leads into a funnel. Really? Okay, yeah. Good. Yeah. So it definitely works. Yeah. Um, I wanted to then, so we, that's touching on the marketing side of things. Guy, well, kind of just to narrow it down to three points, what would you say? They need a website. To, to, to bring people to? But they don't even need a website. They need a landing page. Okay. Okay, so check out. There's a few uh, different options. You've got click funnels, which is a little bit more expensive. You've got lead pages. And you have, what's the other one? Um, you can use Weebly. Weebly okay. is, a, is a website designer, one of the cheaper options. Uh, but all you need is the landing page. Yeah. Because the idea is um, you want to collect information. Because let's say you have... I don't know, say 10,000 followers on your Instagram page. How many of those 10,000 followers actually, first of all, are interested in your services? Yeah. How, many, how many of them actually care about what you do? Okay, it's a very small percentage. That's even, yeah, and that, 
of ten thousand, that's still a decent amount. But if you only have four or five hundred, if you're yeah. if you're just new, like it's because uh, my biggest thing is I don't know how I got this far. I can't remember how I got through the start of being a PT. You know, I don't know what it was that I did. Okay, um, I don't really know what to tell new uh, trainers. Just get good at what you do. That's my own, and that's like, oh, okay. Yeah, but simple, like, simple. Yeah, yeah, but I'm like, yeah. just get really good at what you do. Um, but that's not that doesn't compete with the guys who have 14 week lead, lead funnels, you know, yeah, because you yeah. can be really good and in a gym quietly by yourself, and you just don't have the new faces popping up. Yeah. And no matter how I I really believe this, no matter how good you are, a huge proportion of your client base is going to leave because their life gets in their way. Of course, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. You can't keep everybody forever, yeah. and you can't. You you have to expect that the longer you have somebody, the sooner they are to leave just yeah. because they get a new job they get a promotion they have to travel they get married they have kids course, yeah, yeah. their life changes their budget changes I don't know it doesn't reflect on you but yeah, you yeah. need to have some form of funnel yeah so lead, lead generation should be happening in the background it should be a kind of set and forget system so like I said I've, I've set up the landing page with a, with a lead magnet uh, I actually use ClickFunnels for that. Cool. Okay, it's ClickFunnels is a little bit expensive, but what I always say is how how much is a, a new client worth to you? Okay, I pay ninety seven dollars a month for ClickFunnels. Right now, I know for a fact if a hundred people come through that that lead generation funnel and I sign up one person, you got I've, got a, I've made my money back. Yeah, you know, so that's how you need to look at it. And the percentage is a lot higher than that. You know, you may be looking at. Five to ten percent of people who come through the funnel, you will actually sign up in some form where they're paying you, whether it's face-to-face training or if it's online training. So, um, so lead generation is definitely something that should be happening yeah. in the background. But right. yes, there's a bit of work to set it up. Okay, you write your ten emails or your fourteen-week emails, set up your landing page with a call to action. Yeah. So you might have a lead magnet, so an ebook, a podcast, a video series, whatever you want to do, a cheat sheet. Yeah. Um, some way of getting emails or contact details. So that's the first thing. Lead generation should be happening in the background. Um, but I think the second thing that you know is way, way, way underutilized is uh, asking for referrals. Yeah, just straight to your. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, a lot of people find it tricky to to ask a client for another. You know, do you have somebody who can you know you can recommend to train with? It you? is a fine line. Yeah. You don't want to be like, have you got anybody today? Have you got anybody today? Have you got so, anybody so today? Again, I go back to Instagram and I see it so many times. Uh, people post on their Instagram story that I have a free slot at 7 p.m. I actually seen it today when I was scrolling through Instagram stories. Now, do you think that looks desperate? Do you think it looks like you can't hold on to your clients? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at it from how a client, potential client would see it. So... I never post that on my Instagram. I've never done that either. I've never done it, and I actually don't like to see it. I don't think any of, the, any of our guys have. No. Um, so, you know, you, there's ways you can, you, know, you can run like a referral competition within your current client base. So say you have 10 clients, right? You say, well, okay, over the next two months, we're going to run a referral competition. And whoever gives me the most clients in the next two months will train for free for the next two months. So what you're giving away is two months of your time yeah. with a client, but potentially you're going to get five more, more yeah. clients from it, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's just an idea, a referral competition. Um, or even use your, your existing clients to do your 
your kind of billboard work for you, your your advertisement for you. So you could set up like a, a mini competition, which is like, okay, we're going to do a 30-day uh, kind of transformation competition. Whoever is the biggest loser in 30 days yeah. is going to you know win a prize. And you get them all to pay in, chip into it. So they might pay, for example, 50 dirhams I each. See. Yeah. Okay, they pay 50 dirhams each, whatever, 100 dirhams. Yeah. At the end of your 30 days, you give the winner the prize. You get them to take a big picture on, yeah. on, on Instagram and tag everybody on it. You know, so they're doing yeah. the advertisement for you. You've got a little marketing yeah. boy there. Yeah, that's yeah. good as well. I might actually use that because I've got a couple of people I need to get them into the next gear. So that's a nice little thing. We, we do a lot of group stuff, so it could work well within our, yeah, our group definitely. training. And even the referral stuff with, with groups. I used to do boot camps back home. I started off with a, a boot camp of 15 people. Within one month, it grew to 35 people. Because when we did a sign-up form for the following month, I put a little voucher in the sign-up form. And it was something stupid. Like, if you sign up uh, an extra person, you get £10. It was like £15 or whatever a yeah. month. You get £10 off the next month. The amount of people that would just tap just into do it, it yeah, yeah. yeah, and bring somebody, you know, bring somebody else with them. Cool. That's, that's uh, cool. I like that. So then, okay, so the lead generation... Talk then about what are the big mistakes you see in like on the gym floor? Because I have my opinions on this, but I don't want to. I don't. Everyone gets through their day the way they the way they can. But um, from your experience on fitness first as a manager, let's use that scenario. What are you gonna pull a guy in and say, mate? You need to polish this or change that. Well, first of all, I guess um, when a when a trainer's been in the gym all day and they're feeling tired and they've been up since maybe five o'clock in the morning and it's you know midday now or, or, or the afternoon, of course the focus is going to drop, um, which has an impact on the session, right? So the biggest thing for me is, is that is that trainer present in the session? Is he present and, and eyes on the client? Especially when you're in a busy gym when there's a lot going on around you and there's you know people walking past you, you know, you, your eyes can, can wander. Um, I think being present, being present in the session, it's it not only makes you look professional, but you know, it's from a client's point of view that they've got 100% of your attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, so many people, so many trainers, you know, pick up the phone and they drop a quick text message to the next yeah. client. But how many other people on that gym floor are looking at you when you're doing that? And what perception do they have? of you right there and then when you're on your phone yeah it doesn't look professional at all yeah i agree with that i've i have been guilty of that in the past and there was one session i can put, I can put my hand up and say there's one there's one morning session i had a group in and i was just let's just say i was i let my personal world creep into that hour and then I messaged a couple of the people after, and I was like, look, genuinely, I realized I was on my phone the whole session. I'm quite sorry. And one of the girls who I've been training for a very long time, we have a very open and honest relationship, she said to me, look, it's sort of been happening a little bit too much recently for her liking. And I totally accepted it. She was 100% right. I knew it. I just needed someone to call me on it and to, to make me accountable for it. And that wasn't too long ago. Um, so and the, so that, that, had, that had crept in and... and into my day because we do group stuff so when somebody can't make a 5pm session can I come in, I'm running late can I come at yeah, 6 yeah. so I'm like shit I should reply to this and then that that creeps into the yep yeah, come at 6 and then oh what's Mike said to me boop yeah, oh Mike's yeah, gone out or Mike, yeah one, Mike yeah. sent and now I'm in a personal whatsapp and now yeah. it's a now it's distracting yeah. so yeah I'll put my hand up I have been guilty of that and for me I would sort of 
like to be known as a professional yeah no matter what and it comes back to that doesn't it being yeah. you know having that professional kind of uh, outlook as a PT and I always say this there's three things that you know to be successful as a PT you need to look like a PT act like a PT and speak like a PT yeah so looking like a PT looking professional you know being present in your session so what so just go a bit deeper on that looking like a professional what would you where are your boundaries so I mean that can kind of it can kind of uh, you know open up a, a few kind of um, avenues in, in terms of how you look um I don't mean, you know, you know, don't look overweight. Um, I mean, look professional. Like if you're wearing, a, for example, a, um, a polo shirt, tuck your polo shirt into your trousers. You know, don't look like you've just walked in the gym five minutes ago. Um, you know, look presentable. Um, and of course, yeah, when, when I say look like a PT, what I mean by that is how do, how do people perceive a personal trainer to look? Do they want them to look fit? Do they want to see them working out? So, you know, practice what you preach, get in the gym, train like you would train your clients, mm-hmm. or even harder, right? Um, you know, the worst thing you can, you know, and I used to get this quite a lot is, uh, for example, a, a PT would come up to me and say, you know, boss, why haven't I got much uh, business? And I'll say, the first thing is you're not visible on the gym floor. You're not visible. You come in for your sessions, that's it. No one sees you outside of those hours. Use those down, the, the, the hours of your downtime to work on getting more clients. Yeah, to circulate. To get on the gym floor, to yeah. assist people, to spot techniques. Um, it's so important. But I, I used to have Virgin Active in the UK, and I hated it. Like, it, you have to do it. The floor hours, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Just, just so, because it was such a comfortable little room at the back with a couch and a TV and a yeah. microwave, yeah. and that's where the other busy PTs are hanging out during their time off. So if I want to speak to those guys, you know, they're busy three quarters of the day. So when they're not busy, I'll go in and chat with them. And then there's someone new. And it's easy to get into that little habit of hanging out there. But you have to do it. And we were also told at Virgin Active, because they, they looked after us in a, in a training perspective. They gave us a lot of good tips. But they said, you know, if you're training, don't train with your earphones in because you want people to be able to yeah, come and speak you, to you. You need to be approachable, yeah. God, yeah. I wanted to be left alone when I was training. Like, I was such the wrong person to work yeah. in a commercial gym. Yeah, of course. Um, like, there are, it depends how, you know, you, I like to train with my headphones in. Yeah. You know, I don't like to be interrupted in my session but again you're in your place of work right i have to do it if if that's where you're making your money um as a personal trainer especially if you don't have many clients at the moment you know you've got to get in there you've got to get you've got to interact yeah you've got to be approachable um like louise is a, is a perfect example yeah there, one of the who, trainers who works here yeah yeah in 6p she's absolutely brilliant and she actually used to work with me um, oh yeah you know i recommended for her to come over here oh, actually yeah, cool. yeah because She's the perfect example of, of having that interaction on the gym floor, you know, and, and, and being approachable. Um, Should be chuffed to this little shout out if she I, know, I don't yeah. even know if she <laughs> listens. But yeah, like, you know, if every PT could be like that, then no one would have issues, uh, you know, with, uh, I don't have clients here, I don't have yeah. clients there, you know, and, and they would stay in the game a lot longer. Yeah. So then that's, okay, look like a trainer. Yeah, so I mentioned look like a trainer. Act like a trainer, speak like a trainer, yeah. Yeah. So speaking like a trainer, that you know, it, it's very simple. You know, come across as the expert. Be the expert. So if you have a room of 10, 15 trainers, what are you the expert in? Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, don't be that, that personal trainer that just ignores people on the gym floor. You know, when you walk past somebody, 
give them a smile, give them a, you know, yeah. hey, how you, how's your day going? How's your workout going? Do you need any help with anything? You know, because that all sparks that, that initial uh, conversation. Yeah. Oh, well, I've been doing this for da 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 and I haven't been able to do this for da 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 Yeah. And then that's your opportunity to get in. Yeah. And also as well, that doesn't necessarily happen after the very first hello. Like you just said earlier, yeah. 7 to 11 engagements. Yeah. 7 to 11 days of saying hello to the same guy at, at 6.30 a.m. when yep. you don't want to talk to anybody. Of course. He might turn around to you and go, you know. It, the, you know, it will always come back to you. Yeah. It will always come back. You'll always reap the rewards of being professional and engaging with people on the gym floor, regardless yeah. how tired you are, what mood you're in, you know, how long your day's been. Uh, I actually just wrote a post on my Instagram page, on the, the PT Academy page. Right. And, and it was all, all about, um, you know, making sure that you make every effort you can to speak to everybody on the gym floor. doesn't matter how many clients you've had, you know, how many people you've trained in that day, be proactive in saying hi to people. You know, and if that's all it is, just a, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, that's enough. Yeah. But make sure that you're approachable. Um, don't be that, that, that trainer that just shies away and sits on the, you know, on the sofa out the way and yeah. doesn't interact with people because, yeah. of course, you're not going to get people land on your feet. You're not going to get clients just come to you. Yeah, that's what, and that was me. That was me, to be honest, the whole summer. Because I did it as soon as I graduated from university. I went... It was, I got very fortunate. There was a round of jobs on offer at Virgin Active in Twick, in Sunbury, next to Twickenham. Uh, very quickly got the job, was in the gym floor. And then that whole summer, I was building this PT career. And I didn't want to be a PT. I didn't, I wanted to, I, my degree was in uh, sport rehab. So we, I wanted to be in like a clinic, helping sports teams, injured guys, that whole thing. And I remember just slaving away at it at the beginning and not liking it. You know, just didn't like the whole commercial world. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how I ended up here, but because I wasn't a good example of what to do yeah, in but, those days. But you have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So when you come out of the classroom and you've done your qualifications, you obviously you need clients, right? So the first thing you should be doing is looking to get into a commercial gym where there's the footfall of traffic, yeah. where there's people coming in and people joining up to be members of the gym. You have to do that to start with. And I'm talking, you know, maybe six to 12 months to, till you build your, your client base and you establish yourself, especially in Dubai because there's so many PTs, you, yeah. you know, it's hard to establish yourself. Um, but build up your image, uh, you know, let people understand who you are. Then once, you know, once you've become established and, you know, you, you can afford to kind of go freelance, um, you know, you, you ha- you've built up the experience and the, and the, the kind of know-how yeah. to make it work. But, um, you know, don't get me wrong, like, I actually am very grateful for working in a commercial gym, yeah. you know, for the last five years. Um, it's taught me so much um, about myself, how to, you know, manage my own self, manage yeah. my own business. Um, but the structure that you, you earn, you know, or the, sorry, that you learn, sorry, um, it just, it, you know, you can never, you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. Um, you know the budgets and you know you have to work to hit your budgets yeah it's not like you can sit back and just uh you know the clients are going to come to me you have to you have to look for clients but what i've learned over the years is i've managed to put myself in a situation where i'm not being the hunter mm-hmm. i've become hunted if that makes yeah. sense like i've put enough work in now that if i post something on my instagram i'm going to get somebody message me about personal training 
And, cool. you know, and I do oft- it's a fortunate place to be. I do often quite, you know, I'll post a simple video, for example, doing single arm rows, bent over rows. But the importance of it is I put something educational under, underneath it, the caption, you know, why I'm doing it and what it's good for. Yeah. Um, you know, put a bit of music in the background or whatever, and, yeah. and you do get, you know, people respond to it. And like I said before, you've got to then do the follow-up. Yeah. Because it's no good just posting picture after picture or video after video if you're not doing a follow-up, you know, or, or if there's no call to action. Okay. So then, uh, I want to not spend too much longer, but I want to ask you, for people listening who aren't trainers, how do they identify or what are the yellow flags that they should think about when they're going to meet a trainer for the first time? What should they be looking for that's going to help them identify if this person is the right person or if this person is the wrong person for them? Um, of course, you're going you're to go through like a, a trial session with the, the trainer, yeah? Make sure that you actually work together well, that you click together. Um, you know, you might have the best trainer in the world working with you, but, you know, with the worst personality and your personalities don't match, you just don't click. So you know, from a long-term point of view, it's not going to work. So, uh, of course, just request a free trial, you know, a free consultation session where you're going to check out, you know, what his style is or what her style is, um, of course, you need to make sure that the trainer is uh, registered on the on the reps register. Yeah, that's quite definitely, important. Definitely. That's worth talking about now because I don't know if people know about that. Do you want to just give a quick rundown of what reps and who reps are? Yes, the reps register is a register for exercise professionals. Um, basically, it's a, a, a governing body that makes sure that PTs are first of all qualified, um, so that they can take care of you, you know, in the gym. But not only that, that it just makes sure that they are continually learning uh, and getting CPD points, which is, uh, con- I think it's continuous personal development points. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, they're, they're up, to, up to the standard, you know, up to, up to scratch with, what, you know, what the current kind of um, ways of training are. So let's give you an example. Would you go to a doctor who he's not last a doctor. qualified 20 years ago? Yeah. You know, he doesn't, he's not up to date, you know. So would you go to a personal trainer who has done nothing since he qualified 20 years ago? So this is where... Even five years ago, even four years ago, yeah. it changes, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it's so fast, so fast. And there's, there's, you know, there's all this research coming out you know, every month that's contradicting what we were talking about five years ago. So you know, is, your, is your trainer up to date? Is he current? Um, and one of the ways you can find that out is, first of all, you can actually just check on the reps register. If you're in Dubai, you can type in repsuae.com mm-hmm. and then there's a search field and you type in the type trainer's in the name. name. And if he comes up and he's, and he's on the register, then you know that at least he's qualified and, you know, you're in safe hands. Yeah, all our guys are there anyway. Um, so then, okay, what else then? What's the, th- the third thing that they, if someone can do to identify? So, again, uh, do, your, do your research on your trainer. Um, you know, check if they're on Instagram. Because, like I said, Instagram's a kind of good place to start if you're looking for a trainer. And what should they judge it by on Instagram? Not by how many followers they have. <laughs> That's sort of what I was wondering. Uh, no, not by how many followers they have. Look at the content that they're delivering. Um, look at their you know, results they're getting for their clients. First of all, are they showing client transformation success stories? If they're not, then that tells you a lot about them. You know, maybe, they're, well, maybe they're just not, they don't know that that's a good thing to do on Instagram. Yeah. So, I, so I'll take that back. It doesn't tell a lot about them, but maybe they're just not focused on 
yeah. on results, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, why would you go to a personal trainer? Because you want them to fix your problem. Yeah. yeah so, you know, you've got to look at, uh, uh, is this person going to fix my problem? Are they fixing other people's problems? Yeah. Are they getting results for their other clients? You know, um, because at the end of the day, like I said, when you've got a problem, you know, a weight loss issue or you want to just become fitter in general or become stronger or leaner, uh, you, you're not just going to pay that money to a personal trainer and without the guarantee of, of getting results, right? Yeah. Yep. I like that. Um, so, okay. Um, and then anything they should look for when they meet them in the consultation? Yeah. Um, of course, I, I actually... Let, let, me, let me ask you that a different way. Is there any information that they should absolutely be asked to share with their trainer? Um, yes. Um, you can look at it from both directions. Um, again, I used to do this in, in what we call in-club training with the PTs. So we would go through like you know training how to do an initial consultation, yeah. how to increase your conversion rates. Um, certain things like, oh, this is what, sorry, let me ask you, is the question of what should a PT be asking or what should the client be asking the PT? Uh, let's do both. All right. So let's, let's start from the PT's point of view. So uh, there's questions that really a PT should be ans- asking a client in order to make the kind of sales pr- pitch as smooth as possible. So here's a little example that, I, you know, as a PT, and again, this is like a little tool that I would use. Uh, as a PT, I would ask a client right in front of me, you know, if there's two parts of your body that you're not happy with and we can fix it today, what would it be? Okay, nine times out of ten, you would get the jingly uh, bingo wings or, you know, the, yeah. the glutes, Yeah. right? So in that consultation or in that free session, I'd make sure I would smash those two body parts. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so the, the client walks away and thinks, wow, like, you know, I feel it the next day and, you know, they can kind of connect yeah. the feeling of pain yeah. or work yeah. effort with those body parts. It's yeah. a kind of psychological. Work. Also, you've paid attention to what they said. Yeah, you've given them what they asked for. Yeah. Um, again, going back to another question you, you could ask as a PT is, um, you know, is your spouse or partner supportive of your, of your decision to, you know, to start this fitness journey? And you're asking that for two reasons. First of all, you're going to get a yes. Okay, because the more yeses you get, you know, the easier a, a, yeah, a sales, sale comes, it becomes at the end. But second of all, when you get to the sales pitch or the presentation where you're presenting your prices or your packages, and if you haven't sold it as a PT 100% by that time, then forget about it. If you haven't sold the value of training with you before you even have to show up, the price, then, you know, good luck. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by asking that question is, a lot of the times it becomes an objection or, I, you know, you, pr- you present the price and then it becomes, oh, I need to speak to my partner about it. Right. Because it looks a bit expensive. Yeah. And then you would, you know, come back with, well, you know, you said earlier that your, your partner was supportive of you making this decision to change. Yeah. You know, so it's a kind of to come back, you know, fire yeah. back, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, like, a couple of questions that PT could be asking. But f- going back to the client, um, the, first of all, the client needs to be made comfortable. The client needs to walk in feeling that there's no barriers high, you know, that the music's not loud. Right. You know, that they may, you know, take a seat, you know, in a comfortable room. Um, but the, the client needs to make sure that they're, 
they're getting across what they have come there for. So don't just sit there and let the, the PT talk. Yeah. And a, a common mistake is a PT will talk about me, 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 instead of listening to the client um, and asking open-ended questions and directing the, the conversation. Uh, you know, we talk about, we talk about uh, tri- um, sorry, uh, hotspots. Right. Emotional triggers. You know, why are you here? Yeah, here, I want to lose weight. Well, why do you want to lose weight? Yeah. You know, you kind of you'd peel away the, the yep. layers of the onion, right? Um, but at the end of the day, uh, from a client's point of view, you want reassurance that you're in the right hands. You know, so um, you know if you haven't got that feeling or that you know by that by the point where the end of the consultation, then it's probably not right for you. You know, you might need to look for another PT. Yeah, uh, but you need to walk away from that that consultation thing and this is the right person to help me cool okay well if people want to get in touch with you um you've got the pt academy instagram where else can they get you online or yeah so i'm mainly on on instagram so just my my name trevor flowers dxb and then the pt academy yeah the pt kind of awesome perfect okay great well there's a lot actually in here that i'm going to listen to this again and really take some notes and and bang out some of those tasks so if you start seeing some polls on my Instagram <laughs> and some harassing follow-ups then contact you know contact PT Academy DXB <laughs> and with, with your uh, your feedback <laughs> cool alright cheers Trevor thanks for coming down thanks we'll, for me on, we'll chat to you again soon cheers thank you mate